Diocese of Churches for the Sake of Others is pleased to present the C4SO podcast, a place to celebrate the voices and values of C4SO. C4SO is a national diocese of the Anglican Church in North America, led by Bishop Todd Hunter. You can learn more about us at c4so.org. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the C4SO podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Ben Sternke, and I'm here with Bishop Todd Hunter today. How are you today, Todd? I'm great. As you know, my cherished role in life is being your sidekick. <laughs> yes, yes, as you remind me also. It's so much fun. <laughs> we do have a lot of fun. Um, we're starting a new series today, which we'll talk about here in just a second, um, but one uh, announcement to make um, during the month of May. As part of our celebration of Asian Pacific American Heritage Month, C4SO is amplifying the voices of our Asian American brothers and sisters as a step toward our kingdom vision of racial and ethnic uh, diversity and inclusion. Uh, We're going to be doing some Visio Divina with the artwork of Chinese artist He Chi on Sundays. We're going to be learning about Asian American heroes uh, through our blog and then also hearing from the Revelation 7-9 Task Force leader Jin Cho on recent experiences of anti-Asian racism in the U.S., and then uh, later in the month, hosting a discussion of the Oscar-nominated movie Minari. Uh, That's going to be on Thursday, May 27th at 7.30 p.m. Central. Uh, Links to the story that outline kind of all the things we're doing, and for registration for that uh, discussion, uh, it'll be online on Zoom. Uh, That's all in the show notes. So if you're interested in any of that, uh, check it out in in the show notes. Um, As I mentioned, we're starting a new series today called Reimagining Church for a Post-COVID World. Um, And Todd, I thought we could uh, just introduce this series um, because this kind of sprang from uh, some of your observations, some of your concerns, some of your conversations with with rectors and churches and leaders in our diocese during this pandemic. Um, So maybe you could just say a word uh, or two about where the genesis of this, uh, the vision for this series came from and why you wanted to... Uh, have us host these conversations. Yeah. <clears throat> There's a simultaneity going on, I think, Ben, that we need to pay attention to. And that is, I think in every single one of us, we find ourselves saying to ourselves or to others, gee, I can't wait till things get back to normal. Well, like, of course, it would be nice to, mm-hmm. I mean, I can't tell tell you how many scores of times I've went to dash into a store get right to the glass door, you know, that opens and realize, oh, crud, I forgot my mask. I got to run back to my car. I swear I do it 90% of the time. I I found myself halfway through the produce aisle one time without my mask, and I was wondering why everybody was giving me dirty looks. Yeah, so, you know, on those sorts of levels or, you know, if you live in L.A., Dodger Stadium will be full again, or, Mm -hmm. you know, here in Nashville, Mm -hmm. you know, concert venues will be full again. So, of course, there's a sense in which we we kind of long to go back to what was normal. And I totally get that. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. But I think also, Ben, the world has permanently changed in some ways. Mm -hmm. And that I think is going to take some real kind of missiological paying attention. Yeah. And some ministry paying attention, some hospitality, uh, like being agents of healing, of listening, and so I'm just really looking forward to this series as we get some of our thinkers and leaders to help us, you know, think about that future that as of right now is undefined, but yet we know, we all know it's going to be here. And so how do we position the church for that? Yes. Yeah. That, um, 
I appreciate your uh, your term there in terms of simultaneity, and I apologize for my dog barking. Uh, we've got a package being delivered, um, and so you know she's she's got to warn everybody that there's a dangerous person approaching the door. Uh, but yeah, I appreciate that word simultaneity. Um, in that, obviously, things aren't going to be like exactly how they are now, mm-hmm. right? Eventually. You know, we're probably not going to need to wear masks as much, and eventually we're going to be able to get together, like you said. Um, But at the same time, um, it's not like flipping a switch and going back to the the pre-COVID world. That there is this unknown quantity, and there's a necessity to to be agile, uh, to be able to kind of learn on our feet, observe, um, uh, make quick responses uh, to things that are, you know, theologically and uh, culturally informed. Um, and so I do think it's a, it's a really big challenge for a lot of church leaders. Yeah. Um, and I, I do know <clears throat> that for, for many people, like I've, I've heard unprecedented numbers of, of pastors are also resigning yes. right now, just getting yeah. out completely. Mm-hmm. They're just like, this is, it's, it's true. <laughs> I've, I've seen enough, you know, and they're, yeah. and they're out, which I actually have a lot of sympathy for. It's, uh, none of us signed up for this. It is a very difficult uh, season to lead. So yeah, so I'm excited about this series. Um, it's basically uh, we're gonna we're gonna it's gonna take the format of uh, some roundtable discussions with um, we're trying to get three leaders um, yes. and, and myself uh, in these roundtable discussions, and we're gonna discuss six different topics as it relates to um, this topic of uh, reimagining our ministries for a post. COVID world, we're going to talk about leadership in general. That's uh, today's podcast. We're going to talk about the use of physical space. Uh, we're going to talk about liturgy and sacraments. We're going to talk about finances. We're going to talk about community. And then we're going to talk about mission and evangelism. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited about this series. Anything more to say about it before we get, uh, click play? Just <laughs> to say discussion? that, uh, you know, this phrase we used post-COVID mm. is kind of a placeholder because right. it also includes... Um, the racial tensions of the COVID era. It includes the mm. the politicization of everything in this COVID yes. era. And, you know, as you know, all, all those things got tied together. I mean, just this morning, yeah. I saw another article about how the pandemic has strongly disproportionately affected people of color and women and somebody else, maybe it was youth. Yep. But I know for I've sure it was- well. uh, yeah, Young people, the it, poor. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, that's not going to go away once we don't have to wear a mask. I mean, once our mask comes off, they're going to reveal a face. And underneath so many of millions of those faces is amazing just to cite one thing, um, division. Mm. And so, yeah, uh, yeah, this new world is going to be a... It's going to be an amazing new place to try to do ministry. So I just want us to do our best through the Spirit to try to anticipate what might be coming and to position ourselves um, for what I think is more likely to be a new normal mm. than a return than a return to the old normal. Great. Well, let's uh, get into this first discussion then, which is all about just the overall leadership uh, of our churches, um, the casting vision, um, the cultivating unity, all of that kind of thing. So here we go. Hey everyone, welcome to part one of our new series, Reimagining Church for a Post-COVID World. Today our topic is reimagining leadership in the church, just leadership overall. And I'm joined by three guests who are all leading churches in our diocese and have been leading their churches through the pandemic. 
Reverend Sandy Richter is spearheading Christ Our Peace Anglican Church, a fledgling church plant in Oak Park, Illinois. You guys started uh, like right when the pandemic hit, right? You guys are one of those church plants. Like March 15th, we're going to plant our church and (laughs) here we go. Um, yes. Uh, so they're, they're a church plant of Church of the Savior in Wheaton. Uh, so uh, Sandy's here. Reverend John Odom is the pastor of Cornerstone Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Welcome, John. Hello. hello. Thank yeah. you. And Reverend Matt Tebby is the co-rector at The Table in Indianapolis, along with me and uh, Spencer Ruark. Matt, welcome to the C4SO podcast. Welcome back. Thanks. Yeah. Good to, good to see you, Ben. It's been, it's been hours. It's been since several hours. Talked. Yeah, since we talked. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you guys have all been on the podcast before in various capacities, and so I'm thankful that we get to hear from you all today. Um, maybe just to set this up, you know, um, this is called Reimagining Church for a Post-COVID World. Obviously, the pandemic isn't over. We're not in a post-COVID world yet, but I think we're starting to anticipate what it might look like. It's very difficult to predict what's going to happen, um, but it does seem fairly certain that we're not going fully like back to normal. It's not like, okay, great, glad that was over. Now let's get back to everything we were doing before. Um, so even veteran churches are kind of in this startup mode again, as we seek to kind of reimagine what ministry looks like in this, uh, in this world after and during as COVID, <laughs> I mean, I want to say winds down, but I don't know, you know, I mean, hopefully it's winding down, but, um, we want to have a roundtable discussion today, just with the three of you to, to see what you're seeing, what you're experiencing, what you're noticing, what you're observing in regard to just overall leadership in your churches, cultivating unity casting vision, calling people into a common journey together, uh, all of that kind of thing. So maybe we can start with this question. What um, default ways of leading or casting vision, et cetera, were inter- or disrupted or interrupted for you when the pandemic hit? So like what, what, was, what was working before that stopped working once the pandemic hit? Sandy, you want to kick us off? Well, I'm laughing because I think the most obvious that we would all say is getting people together in a room. <laughs> um, <laughs> One of the basic techniques hmm. of a leader. Yes. 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 <laughs> Looking at people totally. and talking to them and, uh-huh. um, yeah. you know, just being in the same space. A virtual space has its own um, unique gifts, but it also has many challenges and you know, just sharing space. And especially I would say for us, because we were so new, we're discerning a lot and doing the work of discerning Mm. requires silence and listening. Mm. And again, you can do that virtually, but it's just not the same. So yeah, Yeah. there's a ton of body language that you realize you rely on that like is missing from your ability to discern. That's fascinating, Sandy. Yeah. I would say something similar to that, uh, is that I miss, there were little touch points, casual conversations mm. with people between things where mm-hmm. yeah. I, I would intuit or they would intuit, we need to touch base on this and we'd do some preliminary work or we'd put it on our radar or we'd do a quick debrief of something we chatted about. And it was like a, there was like a relational maintenance that was done through chit chat mm-hmm. and casual conversation. Mm-hmm. And now there's no, there's no relational maintenance being done. Yeah. Everything we do is like, business, you know, we got to get this thing done. And it's, I'm finding that to try to do those little bits of maintenance in the, in the, uh, official intentional meetings, it, it feels weird. It's like, mm. yeah. um, and so I, I, I thought I'd never say this, but I am realizing how reliant on chit chat I am mm-hmm. to pastor and shepherd and lead people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
it seems like we've learned that the tech is good for conveying information in a mm-hmm. one direction kind of way. It's really not great for cultivating community. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, it's nice to be able to see each other's faces now, but we would have a completely different conversation sitting around a coffee yeah. table. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that I missed the most was personal hospitality mm-hmm. and getting to, uh, take people to lunch yeah. and hear their story. And, um, the absence of that, boy, I personally, I felt so lonely <laughs> not getting to yeah. just share meals with people. And that was a yeah. pretty central thing to, I think, building our church over the last four years is just mm-hmm. sharing meals together in groups mm-hmm. or, you yeah. know, with individuals. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a, I, I resonate with all of that. I, I think um, I read an article that talked about uh, how the lack of small talk is breaking our brains. Um, how <laughs> oh. even people like myself yeah. who would, who would say like, I wouldn't, I'm one of these people that's like, I don't like small talk, but I realize like how reliant I am on small talk as a leader yes. to just like, like make sure people are okay or, you know, make sure that there's no misunderstanding here. Just mm-hmm. like we've encountered several situations in the past, you know, few months where we realized like there's assumptions that just ran away because mm-hmm. there was never any, like, there's not enough check-in, you know what I mean? And so, yeah. and you know, people feel weird. Like, let me call an official meeting to check if my assumption about this is true. You know what I mean? Like this just feels right. weird. And right. so it's really difficult to sort of do a lot of the, I don't know what you'd call it, but like the soft work of leadership to just sort of like, mm-hmm. you just check in like, is that, is that person okay? And yeah. it's really hard to sense that. There's a, a texture. Call. There's a yeah. texture that, I think, um, I mean, I'm, I, I find myself being intuitive, like in situations, I just know what needs mm-hmm. to happen. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, I'm a, right about 20% of the time. I feel like it's pretty good. Uh, <laughs> it's but not a bad. but we're, we, I think we all trade upon these. This needs to happen in this moment. And I feel like the video screen, mm-hmm. it, uh, a lot of the sensors or faculties we use for that are shut down. Yeah. Uh, also, John, you, you mentioned something that's, that um, provoked this thought. Like you talked about how like, we can do information transfer via, you know, Zoom or this, what we're doing now, but it's hard to do relationship building. I, I find too that I can trade on existing relational capital yeah. via Zoom, but I have yeah. a hard time building it. Yes. yes. That's a great distinction. Yeah. yeah. I think that's true. Yeah. I would say one of the interesting, I'm think, I was thinking as you guys were talking, so we had a core team set. Um, and we had to go, you know, very quickly to zoom meetings uh, for our core team. And I, it's really interesting because we actually grew maybe even closer together than I think we would have otherwise, because Mm -hmm. the people who were introverted felt like they had, uh, they expressed that they felt like they had a very clear sense of what we were doing when we would get on a zoom meeting. Mm -hmm. Um, and they felt more free of, pretty quickly to start sharing more vulnerably than they would have in, um, in person. But those were all relationships I had had before. And as mm-hmm. we've tried to add people in, um, that has been awkward to try to yeah. figure out. So you actually just helped me name something that mm-hmm. building the new relationships in that way. And I really, yeah, we invite people over our whole vision of this church plant was mm-hmm. to have our people and then invite more people into our space to experience what it was to be us together. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that just doesn't, that just doesn't happen right now. Yeah. Yeah. We've had several people join our church during COVID and they've all expressed the same thing. They, it's like, mm. hey, we, we love it. You know, this is great. We love the vision. You know, we love worship, you know, when we can get together outdoors and that kind of thing. But even even just the lack of 
uh, being in each other's homes and that kind of regular rhythm, it's been very difficult for these families to like feel connected yeah. to other people in the church, no matter how many Zoom calls they join, no matter how much they come to worship. Um, and we, we've started doing worship um, in person. Um, but even that is like, you know, our faces have been covered and mm-hmm. it's really hard to, to make those new connections um, you know, without physical I, presence. I think another thing that's happened for us that I've not named until just now is um, we came to rely on the staff much more than we did previously. Mm. So in the first three years of our church, one of the things we tried to do early was get new people to the church, reading scripture, leading prayers, serving communion. And when we're doing the one-way conveyance of information, staff is doing almost everything. Mm. And that, that changed that, uh, called into question some of the nature of the culture of our church, where you know, we yeah. have this imagination of usness and we're yeah. all leading one another. Now it's the professionals putting <laughs> on the show. Yeah. Um, so that that was unfortunate. That was a big challenge. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe that that's a good uh, shift into my next question. I wonder, um, in light of kind of some of these ways that we've noticed our, our leadership being dis- disrupted, like what intentional changes have you needed to make in terms of the overall leadership of your church during the pandemic? Like what 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 has these re- what have these realizations? Like how have you shored these things up, and what what changes have you needed to make as a as a leader um, during the pandemic? A friend of mine had a, uh, a restaurant in Tulsa, mm-hmm. and it was a it was a pop up restaurant, an experimental thing. And on the window of it, he said, "You know, this is a this is a pop up restaurant. If you don't like it, don't tell your friends and never come back, so that it will die quickly." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think one of the one of the changes we've made is we've tried to embrace a posture of in this season, everything is an experiment. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. If it doesn't work, mm-hmm. we need to adapt quickly. We'll try mm-hmm. to discern why yeah. and adapt as, as quickly as we can. And we don't pride ourselves on efficiency or speed. Mm-hmm. But in this situation where our folks are, are lonely and anxious, we want to make sure that the things we're doing are helpful. And so yeah. I've used the phrase, everything is an experiment, more in the last year than I ever have in my life. And that's really, we've taken that to heart. Yeah. Yeah. That's something that's been a part of, I think, our church DNA from the beginning. But uh, just we talk about experiments all the time, mm-hmm. and that way there's there's less uh, pressure for it to work, mm-hmm. and then there's less like clinginess to it when mm-hmm. it needs to die. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. uh, but uh, we had some experiments in COVID that were pretty bad. <laughs> like we would sit through things and then Ben and I would debrief afterwards. We're like, Oh gosh, how are we going to kill this? Uh, but I, I think, uh, John, that's, it's really wise. I, 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 in a church, our size, you know, we were probably, I don't know, 150 people total. Um, you can do experiments and, and mm-hmm. there's no, there's no sacred cow yet. You know what I mean? Cause mm-hmm. we're so young. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, it's been helpful for for us to try to <clears throat> as much as possible. We've we found needing to lead in lean into it even more of c- taking this agile approach of saying we do need to be light on our feet. Uh, mm-hmm. We do need to respond quickly to needs um, and all that kind of thing. But it has been, yeah, it has been difficult. I think to maintain that because there's a sense like we we all have this sense of collective trauma. You know what I mean around some of these things, and and I think trauma makes us brittle. It makes us mm-hmm. like 
less able to sort of be supple and, and, and quickly be able to change and kind of move on our feet mm-hmm. and think the best and trust each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been, uh, it's been difficult, even though we've, we've tried to lean into that experimental attitude mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Sandy, what would you, what would you say? Yeah. So obviously this is a, this was a big change for me. I mean, I was church planting, so I don't know what would have been normal for me otherwise. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. But I, one of the things that came to my mind when you were talking is, um, I'm just going to tell the story, and, and I think it relates. Um, I'm a two on the Enneagram. I am a shepherd as my strongest gift. And I knew coming into church planting that I would need to spread that out to other people and so that it didn't mm-hmm. just become about me being the touch point for each person. Okay. And um, I think one of the the interesting things about COVID is that it it really kind of it cut off a lot of the natural connections that I would have to build the church, like all of the people that I would be seeing on the playground to invite, or you know those sorts of things. And it it sort mm-hmm. of spread it out to hmm. um, to other people. And also, hmm. we got COVID, and we've had one of the most oh. um, traumatic kind of eventful years that we've had in a really long time. Mm. And even that I've seen God use to really disperse the leadership. So, Mm. you know, we don't have staff. I'm the only staff person. So I was thinking about what you were saying, John, and I see our, our sending church has really done that. Like the volunteers just sort of had to get cut off and the staff has been focused um, on doing most things. But for us, it actually had to be everybody Mm. really being involved. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, I think that, that was good for me because I'm a doer. I'm a, I was probably going to be more the person to take on more than I should have. And it really, Mm -hmm. because of all the things I just said had to be dispersed more widely. Mm -hmm. Um, so that seems like a strange benefit, um, and something I would like to take forward. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Um, this is, this is the question that I didn't prompt you guys for. So this is the surprise question. We talked about this before we hit record, Mm -hmm. but it's, a. It's, I'm springing this on them. Um, but I, I think this has been a feature um, and a surprising thing for me and of this pandemic. So one of the surprising aspects of it for me has been seeing the way that responding to this pandemic has been very polarizing mm-hmm. politically. So, you know, it's, it's not just like, oh, there's a pandemic. How do we how do we weather this? But there's in addition to that, there's all this political implications about whether you wear a mask or not, or how seriously you're taking it, or you know th- those kinds of things. So people are like leaving churches, people are disowning family members mm-hmm. over disagreements about wearing masks. You know what I mean? Like this. So so it's been surprising for me meeting in person, vaccinating or not. You know all the, all these kinds of things. So uh, here, here's the question: Have you guys seen any of this in your churches, and how how have you sought to deal with it? Not at all. It's been great. Great. All right. Next question. Moving I, right along. I think I think that uh, there have been our, like the vast majority of our church has been in alignment. Eighty-five yeah, um, percent of our church has been, and we've been one of the churches that probably has been a little more cautious. We've uh, taking cues from Bishop Todd. Just mm-hmm. said, how do we love the the last and the most vulnerable among us, mm-hmm. and the least among us? And uh, that means maybe sacrificing our preferences or things that we could enjoy uh, mm-hmm. for the sake of others. Which somebody should call a diocese that. Yeah. Um, and so that's. But then I think I think the fifteen percent hung out in the uh, two ditches. One is like, um, and, and I think for good reasons. Like people. Ha- 
people have legit mental health issues and yeah. want to be with people and mm-hmm. are mm-hmm. Um, maybe isolated by themselves and alone or they're stuck with stuck stuck with two small children at home and mm-hmm. they have no adult interaction you know those kinds mm-hmm. of things um, and then on the other side we've got people who probably will never come back to church again like they just <laughs> absolutely are like I think I could live the rest of my life um, in a giant in quarantine. yeah in a in a hazmat suit and a mask in my house <laughs> Um, and, uh, actually that's been the pastoral challenge for us is, uh, we've had to be resistant to the anxiety of the people who want us to reopen too quickly. Uh, and now we're having to be resistant to the anxiety of the people who think we're going to kill off the rest of America by gathering outside. (laughs) Right. With a, with a hundred people. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Mm-hmm. But that's yes, going to anyway. be the thing that triggers it. Yes, uh, I mean I, I'm only slightly exaggerating. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's true. Yeah, uh, we've certainly felt it in our church, and it didn't help mm. that we were in election year too, most yeah. of last year. Yeah, that's true. Um, you know, one thing we've tried to do uh, this year is to strategically use humor, mm. Uh, mm. not to be overly silly and in a way invalidate, and certainly not to be sarcastic in a way that mm. bites or cuts people, yeah. but just to have a light spirit which mm. kind of invites people emotionally into a place of freedom. You don't have to be stuck in chronic anxiety. Yeah. And then if there, are, if there are ways to reframe issues out of the, you know, the polarity of, you know, this is a government conspiracy and we're all going to die. We can <laughs> reframe it to, you know, a, a call to, you know, a Christian, more Christian ethos. That's good. Mm. So a couple of weeks ago, I sent out to our church, the John Odom version of Romans, part of Romans 14. I said, accept the one who needs to wear a mask to worship in to worship in safety without quarreling about it. One person's thinking allows them to go without masks, but another insists on wearing one all the time. Mm. Let's stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. Mm. Which takes the in, in some ways it, it takes it out of being a COVID conversation right. to being a conversation about how can I love my brother yes. or sister yeah. and just accommodate them. Hey everyone, uh, it's time once again for the C4SO Cycle of Prayer Spotlight, where we highlight the specific ministry that we're praying for this week in our diocesan cycle of prayer. And this week we're praying for Good Shepherd Nashville in Nashville, Tennessee, which is led by the Reverend Austin Becton. And he has joined us to share briefly about what's going on and how we can pray specifically for them. Austin, welcome to the C4SO Cycle of Prayer Spotlight. Oh, thank you for the invitation. Yeah, glad to, glad to have you. Um, name uh, one thing you're encouraged by right now um, as you think about uh, your ministry there in Austin. Yeah, I would say, you know, we are steadily growing and maturing as a parish, um, despite the difficulties of having planted at the start of the pandemic, literally on March 15th of last year. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, we, we yeah. haven't really had the opportunity to officially go public or to launch per se. Hmm. And yet during all this time, we've continued to be connected with new people in our community. We're seeing regular new people visit our parish. And on top of that, it just seems like there's a growing momentum within our core group of learning what it means to be a parish that embodies both the hope and hospitality of the kingdom of God in and for West Nashville. So that's, uh, we're, that's we're excited. Awesome. Yeah. Excited yeah. just to see what the Spirit's doing. 
Yeah, yeah. I'm I I have a lot of respect every time I hear. I've I've interviewed uh, one other church planner who planted basically about the same time, uh, beginning of March, uh, <laughs> twenty twenty. It's like wow, what a time to. What yeah. time to plant a church? A little bit of chaos. But. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of, maybe one you can name for us one challenge that you guys are facing right now. Yeah, and it's it's probably a, an, an obvious one, but I would say building a strong sense of community, um, yeah. trying to engage with the realities of people's various comfort levels in the midst of a pandemic. And even as we come out of that, it's, you know, where are we individually or as a family unit in that process? And so we're continuing to have to be creative and thoughtful in that. Um, mm. It's just taken a little bit more intentionality than I would say it typically would have. Yeah. Um, and then personally, I'm bivocational. Okay. Um, while this offers great flexibility, both personally <laughs> and to our parish, yeah. um, during busier seasons, it can it can take its toll, as many yeah. can attest. But. Yeah, yeah. Which, out of curiosity, what do you do uh, as your other vocation? Yeah, so I I am a regulatory compliance consultant, and so uh-huh. my undergrad okay. is in accounting, and I worked in the okay. big four accounting world for a while. Okay, so very good. Yeah, I work with companies that are going public. And, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm bivocational uh, myself uh, as well, and so I'm always curious what people are doing, um, to, you know, in that yeah. world. So, um, uh, in light of all this, Austin, how can we pray for you and for Good Shepherd? Yeah, I would say there's there's a few areas. Um, one is just wisdom as we resume in-person gatherings yeah. um, and then work towards launching or relaunching, if you will, our parish. Um, two is for a new child formation catechesis and training, Christy Burke and Caitlin Becton. Um, they're working towards implementing catechesis of the Good Shepherd for our parish. Hmm. Um, we've been blessed to hire a new curate, uh, Zach Wallace. So be in prayer for him and his family. And then lastly, that the Holy Spirit would just continue to fan the flames of spiritual formation, generosity, and just missional engagement within our community. Very good. All right. Well, thanks for joining us, Austin. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate you sharing with us. Uh, Listeners, if you'd like to find out more about Good Shepherd Nashville or contribute to their work, check out the link in the show notes. I've been thinking a lot about Romans 14 uh, during this pandemic as well, and just the various kind of ways of responding to it. Um, mm-hmm. And also reflecting on, you know, probably probably the folks, everybody thinks they're probably the strong ones and the other people are the weak ones. But I, part of me is like, I wonder if that's how the argument works. You know what I mean? Like if Paul is like, yeah, sure. Assume you're strong and they're weak, but love them. You know, like maybe, maybe, that's, maybe that's how Romans 14 works. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's really helpful. Sandy, have you guys dealt with any of this stuff? You know, we've mostly dealt with the the political side of things. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. we're small enough that, and we're we're small enough, so we've sort of, we're pretty like minded about some things at this stage. Right. Yeah. Um, but politically, I think we're also a fairly progressive bunch. So it's been mm. more on the side of, um, like John, you were saying, resisting sarcasm, resisting. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, characterizing people in ways that are just not loving and trying mm-hmm. to get at how do we continue to, to try to understand and listen and, you yeah. know, those sorts of things. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Good. John, you said something, I think before you uh, read that uh, witty, clever uh, <laughs> midrash uh, about um, 
tending to chronic anxiety in the mm-hmm. congregation. And I think that's probably been one of the most significant tools I've been learning over the last 10 years mm-hmm. is how to notice that in me and notice that in others and mm-hmm. let anxiety be where, like let not taking responsibility for other people's anxiety. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is a pressure pastoral ministry. I think a lot of churches are trained to want pastors to manage their anxiety yes. for them. Yes. And, uh, and what you named was noticing the anxiety and using humor as a way to reveal maybe we're, you know, uh, we need to let off some pressure. We need to not take this, like not, not everything's riding on this, right? Mm-hmm. The fourth horse, the apocalypse isn't going to ride if we get this right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's, that's one strategy that is really helpful yeah. to um, manage our own anxiety mm-hmm. is to mm-hmm. is to bring some humor and levity to it so we remind ourselves that like we don't have to resolve all this for people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. What um as you guys think about, you know, uh again, we're not going to probably get back to normal in all ways, but you know, hopefully we're going to be in person and hopefully, you know, things will you know, things will be different uh, in, in the future. Do you guys have a sense of what's going to need to stay changed mm-hmm. about your leadership um, in in the kind of the post COVID world? Are, are there things that you think, you know, what I think this is a this isn't I don't know. I think this needs to be permanent. Either something that you've learned about yourself as a leader, um, or maybe like a, a new approach uh, to leading that you think is going to persist into the post COVID world. You know, uh, a couple things come to my mind, but I'll just start with one. I think really rethinking what in the world are we doing? What is the purpose of what we're doing? What is all the extra stuff of what we're doing? I think in a really yeah. great way, it's been hyper-focused um, yeah. on what what do we really want to do together. Um, and of course, as we're starting out, thinking about, well, what really matters? I mean, I've thought so much about that, that... I don't want to build an institution just for the sake of an institution. Um, So I I want to, I hope that sticks. I hope for all of us that sticks, that sense of why are we doing what we're doing and how do we Mm. keep that as the focus of what we're doing together? Yeah, that's really good, Sandy. So instead of it becoming, I think sometimes what you're saying, what happens to an institution, like we start with that, but then Mm. like there we can get into just maintenance mode where it's like exactly. we exist in order to continue to exist. Yeah. And we don't ask those questions about like, mm-hmm. wait, what are we actually doing together? Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I want that to persist too for us. I think something that will stay changed for us is our relationship with streaming services. Mm. So when our church, when our church started, we were evaluating, should we have a social media presence? Should mm. we podcast? Mm. Should we stream? Because we still wanted to emphasize that, the incarnational presence yeah. of the church yeah. and not let people kind of skim off of the life of the church, sample it by watching services. Um, and obviously that changed with COVID. And I right. think that, I think that we will probably maintain uh, a streaming presence. It will not get the priority that it's, it gets in some churches, yeah. just a, appreciating it as a, as a kind of hospitality to folks who <laughs> um, are on the fringe or a, or a grace to them. Um, yeah just to give them uh, an opportunity to kind of peek in. Mm-hmm. I think the other thing I, I learned as a result of that is um, I think we need to assume that more people are listening and evaluating and paying attention to us than we might think. Yep. Mm. So the Barna group reported that um, 
churchgoers last year, 32% stopped attending the church that they were attending before COVID. Mm. And 34% began shopping other churches. Wow. And so um, I think that cuts both ways. There are people who have been in our communities who are now looking. And so there's a, it's probably wise to check in in an ongoing way on folks we haven't talked to in a bit, but also yeah. to appreciate their folks are evaluating. I mm. saw a lot of families who had been in other congregations for decades. Mm. And Sandy, to your questions, started asking themselves, mm-hmm. what is this community even trying to do? And there was uh, a newfound bravery to try something different. So I think it's appropriate to assume more people are listening and evaluating than we might uh, yeah. otherwise guess. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd say uh, kind of uh, related to the online presence. That's something we've done. And even as we've gathered in person, we're trying to leave room for people whose conscience will let them come. Uh, and so we've created, you know, a video platform for our church and we're using the zoom interface so that it's rather than you just kind of watch a screen do the Eucharist at you, (laughs) Mm. uh, there can be like a, a sense of people gathered. Um, and we've got, we've got people that come to our church now from Mm. California and Mm. Pennsylvania Mm. and Mm. Illinois. Right. And, uh, I, some of these people, we, we did this long series in Lent where we had a class every week, and some of them were the most faithful class attenders that we mm-hmm. had. And now, like, they're a part of our group chat that we have mm-hmm. as a church. And I just don't know how we don't continue to be some kind of community with and for them. Mm-hmm. And I never anticipated that happening mm-hmm. pre-COVID. Yeah. yeah. Did it feel to you all at all as a uh, as a betrayal, almost, of how you sensed yourselves <laughs> doing church? Yeah. Yeah, John, I feel yeah. I feel dirty. Need to hear your confession. Yeah, I know. I, oh. we, we just aren't creating like you, y'all are the same way. Sorry, Sandy. Um, we're not creating consumable religious goods and services. What what we do is so incarnational and so yeah. like about mm-hmm. being present to each other and to Christ in the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. And there's something. There's an embod. I mean, we have an embodied spirituality that is like part and parcel to. You can't. You can't boil Anglicanism down mm-hmm. b- beneath or below or around that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there is like a violation for me. Uh, but then also, like, I'm not going to, like, you give them something to eat. Like, I'm not <laughs> going to send these people away hungry, right? Yeah. 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 Cindy, yeah, I, I did talk I, over you. Go ahead. Oh, no. Wait, I think we started at the same time. Um, I th- one of the interesting things I that we're already starting to talk about is, because life became so controlled and our interactions became controlled, either, you know, you literally can't be in the same room or if you're together, you have to wear masks or you need to be spaced out, um, that we had to learn to embody church in a different way. And so how do we learn to literally embody it again Mm -hmm. together? And Mm. I know that's part of what we're just, what we're talking about, but one of the things that I'm trying to allow for is just to normalize the fact that that feels weird. The fact that in our, literally in our bodies, we're going to feel uncomfortable being in the space together again. um, Even if we're excited to be in the space together again. Um, Mm -hmm. So, and allowing that to be where Jesus meets us in this really mm-hmm. weird space that we're mm-hmm. having. One of the things I've thought a lot about is the the vision right now 
is for Christ continuing to meet us just in this moment. Just what does this moment need and how how do we receive and meet with Christ right now in this moment? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really that's really good, Sandy. It's really helpful. Mm-hmm. I, I've found that just personally as we've started, you know, fully vaccinated. And so I've got a mm-hmm. discipleship group. Everybody's fully vaccinated. So we met last Sunday, like in a room with no masks on. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like, okay, the CDC said this was okay. And, but, but I feel like I, we spent five minutes at the beginning of the meeting just saying, just confessing. I was like, yeah. this feels so good and so weird. Yeah. It feels so strange. Like we're doing something, like don't let anybody see us. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like we're doing something. It just felt so strange. And, it, and I think that's a good leadership move that you're talking about, Sandy, where you normalize that for people. Mm-hmm. Like you just say to people, I think that was the instinct I was, I was following in that moment, just to say, mm-hmm. I don't know if y'all feel weird, but I feel weird. Mm-hmm. And this is probably going to feel weird for a while until we get, sort of get used to like, okay, yeah. I think this is safe. I don't think we're going to kill each other by being <laughs> together. Like, I think we can do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. All right. One, one last question for you guys. Um, what has surprised you most about leading a church during a pandemic? Uh, I would say that crisis can be a good thing. Hmm. I am sure that 10 years from now, 20 years from now, Pew Research or someone is going to do a study of the effect of COVID on the life of churches. Hmm. And I believe that for some churches, it will have accelerated their decline. Yeah. Um, Unquestionably. You know, I'm I'm wondering, looking around town and wondering who will still be here in a couple of years. And COVID really accelerated that. Uh, I, but I think what surprised me was there were there were elements of it that were very uniting for our church. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw, you know, a pretty significant growth uh, through the year of COVID, and I think um, actively processing our thinking in public mm-hmm. about how we were responding to COVID. Um, mm-hmm. You know, worshiping outside. Um, you know, requiring now we're worshiping inside, but requiring masks, even though the city has lifted the mask mandate and there's no mask mandate in the state. Um, it, it's been really great for our church in lots of ways. And so in Oklahoma, where we're, I think, a little further ahead of um, where y'all are in terms of opening up, yeah. um, we're finding challenges that we we didn't anticipate of how to accommodate and how to how to actively welcome into the life of our church people who, you know, will tell me we, we've been watching for a year and I've never heard their name. You know, they've wow. never, never come across our radar. So wow. um, I think the last year in general has taught me like crisis can be a very meaningful thing that leads to intimacy and growth and putting down roots in the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, so <laughs> I think the next crisis we have, I'll be thinking, where's the redeeming edge in this? Yeah. Where's the redemptive edge? Uh, yeah. What good thing might God be trying to do? It's really good. Really helpful. Sandy or Matt, what do you guys, what surprised you? Well, I think personally, um, it really surprised me that I, I immediately thought, oh my gosh, this is the worst case scenario for me as a church planter because I'm so relational. How am I going to do this? But mm-hmm. I saw other strengths come up that I just mm-hmm. didn't, I hadn't really thought about before. I'm incredibly present minded. Um, I'm not a big futuristic dreamer. I'm more of a, a visionary about the quality of who we are right now. Um, so that was kind of cool to see that God really had, I mean, this is going to sound 
obvious, but God really had called us to start a church at this time and knew that that mm-hmm. was going to be something yeah. that um, that He could grow through. the 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 vision that He gave me about a year ago was: What if you believed that I really had given you everything you needed in this oh, moment and in this time? What a great and so question. I think my big yeah. surprise was. Wow, that's really true. <laughs> so, hoping yeah. I can trust that going forward. What a yeah. gift to be a person who's here today when we have no idea what will happen tomorrow. And we yeah. felt that in this season. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. Really good. Anything from you, Matt? What surprise? Su- what surprised me? Yeah. Uh, surprised the you. lack of attention and care that I've given mental health in the past. Mm. I like I kind of wait for somebody to like and this is an exaggeration but uh, that's kind of my spiritual gift Uh, I kind (laughs) of waited for somebody to be on a ledge before I was like hey they may have you know what I mean and um, I think I think the pandemic and the ways that I don't think it created as much mental health problems as it it heightened Mm. or exacerbated what was already there you know in some Mm -hmm. ways for many Um, and I just realized maybe how, um, you know, it's probably, it's probably not too, it's probably too late to talk about suicide wounds after somebody's committed suicide. Mm. And maybe we should talk about that more. Be proactive. Yeah. Like, yeah. talk about these things and normalize these things as, I think, I think there is a stigma. It's taboo yeah. in, in, like, churches. Like, if I was super spiritual, yeah. I wouldn't be depressed, etc. Yeah. And I, I, I think that there's a opportunity coming from this based upon, you know, what I'm learning that to, to be more uh, proactive in that. Mm-hmm. That's great. That's great. Well, guys, this has been, this has been awesome. Um, I really appreciate you uh, participating in our, our first little round table discussion. You've set the bar pretty high uh, for the <laughs> other, for the other participants. Uh, so well done. Um, they're going to really need to study up to, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um <laughs> Uh, thanks for joining us today. Uh, I've really appreciated your observations uh, and your insights. And uh, hopefully we can do this again uh, sometime soon. This has been really helpful. Thank yeah. you. Thanks for the invitation. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the C4SO podcast. We hope you enjoyed our conversation. Email us your thoughts and suggestions at connect at c4so.org.